afternoon into Valletta's care. Jamie had to promise to stay with her friend overnight before they would release her. But she felt fine, except for a bandage on her forehead and a bit of a headache. Valletta picked her up at the hospital, drove her back to Queensville, and parked in the lane beside her cottage-style home. She had painted the house a dull green with a darker green trim. Jamie didn't like the dark colors, but Becca agreed with Valletta that the color was age-appropriate for the small home. Jamie was as comfortable there as she was anywhere that wasn't her own home, and she knew exactly where to go. Hoppy, who had stayed at Valletta's overnight, was overjoyed to see her and bounced around her all the way down the short hall. So I get to stay in the room we painted, Jamie commented, slinging her overnight bag down on the antique single bed in Valletta's spare room. They exchanged help in August when Jamie had needed a hand getting the Leighton's Rose Tree Cottage on Heartbreak Island ready for a memorable dinner with her parents and Daniel's parents. So Jamie was familiar with the spare room's redecoration. She approved of the mellow gold Valletta had chosen for the walls and the sparkling white trim. She picked up Hoppy and nuzzled him. I missed you, Poochie Pooch. I hope Denver is doing all right at home. Pam is feeding him. Valletta said, referring to Pam Driscoll, who was looking after the bed and breakfast next door to Jamie's home for Anna Jones, Jamie's friend. She doesn't much like cats, but reluctantly agreed. She had done the right thing, Jamie thought. Denver, her crabby tabby, did not take well to staying anywhere but home. She sat Hoppy down on the bed and pulled her nightie out of her overnight bag. At that very moment, Daniel pulled up to the curb outside, the rumble of his Jeep engine too loud to miss, and came bounding into the house without knocking. He had visited Jamie in the hospital, but had asked to visit her at Valletta's, too. He followed their voices to the bedroom and appeared in the doorway carrying a big bunch of multicolored roses, which he handed to Jamie. Then he took her in his arms. You okay? Are you sure you should be out already? Daniel, it was a minor bump on the head, and I'm... Her eyes widened, and she sat down on the bed. Both Daniel and Valletta were watching her with concern. Even Hoppy had stopped bounding around the room and sat at her knee, staring up at her. Jamie, what's wrong? Valletta asked. Are you okay? Should I take you back to the hospital? I told you it was too soon, Daniel said. Stop fussing, Daniel! I just remembered what happened. She looked up into her friend's eyes. Val, I didn't fall. I was whacked over the head. Hoppy jumped up on her lap and licked her chin. And I think it was Hoppy's barking that drove whoever it was away. Valletta called the police and an officer came out to interview her. They sat in Valletta's cheerful retro kitchen. It honestly looked like something right out of the 70s with an arborite table and chair set in avocado green, burnt orange cupboards and funky cafe-style patterned curtains drawn against the November evening. The officer finished up the brief interview. Jamie couldn't remember much other than what she had already told her friends, and promised the police would be looking into it. They would interview Isolde and check the house out. But it was a day later, and unless there was some kind of evidence left behind or something taken— It was not that uncommon for someone to be in the house that shouldn't. Before the Heritage Society had bought it, the police had had to go there quite often to check it for broken windows. After the officer left, 
Daniel stood up from the dinette chair and tugged at the sleeves of his Ball State sweatshirt. That's it, he said. I'm going to have an alarm system put in that place. The society doesn't have that kind of money, Jamie protested, hand to her now throbbing forehead. But I do, and I'm not going to have you at risk. He sat back down next to her and pushed a tendril of hair out of her face. Are you carrying the cell phone I gave you? Sure, Jamie said, fishing in her purse and pulling it out. It was a nice little gadget, and given that she was not the best with technology, Jamie had been surprised how well she'd taken to it. He grabbed it and did some quick work, then handed it back to her. Okay, now all you have to do to call 911 is hit star 9. Wouldn't it just be easier to dial 911? No, because I know you too well. You'd have to get to a call screen past all the romance books you've already loaded on there.